So here's the issue. Right now, there are more podcast books and information on fitness than ever. But which ones have the best information? Which ones will help you grow as a person the most? Which ones will get you to the next level in your life? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Coach Cody Smith, and this is the Create Yourself Podcast. What's going on, you guys, and welcome back to the Create Yourself Podcast. Welcome back to the show. This has been my first live one here in the past, gosh, almost three weeks now. Um, a lot of the other shows that we've been running that we've been running were pre-recorded, but just got back from a nice long one-week vacation. We went out to a place called Banks Lake. We bought uh, this wake surf boat that's just amazing back in the fall, and we've just been itching to take it out and to to do some surfing. So we spent a week out in the sun and and you know drank a, you know probably more beers than we probably should have, but uh, the family and I got to spend a lot of time together and it was awesome. And uh, we got back and then uh, just moved into our new place. So just been a, a busy past couple of weeks, and it's been uh, this is my first opportunity really to sit down and to record a show for you guys, and to to put out something. And today I really wanted to jump into a couple of different topics. Um, one of them just wanted to j- touch on uh, really how I view dieting, and then uh, a couple of the different categories here, because really at the end of the day, there's only three types of diets. And then I wanted to jump a little bit into nutritional periodization. This is something I haven't really spoke on a lot. But if you are one of my clients and you listen to this, this is something that actually happens inside of your your nutrition protocols <clears throat> throughout the weeks and months. And, you know, for those of you who've been with me for, you know, a year to two years, you've probably seen this inside of your approach. And then wanted to jump on uh, just a conversation around science and anecdote. A lot of times, uh, I think a lot of coaches kind of get lost in the minutia of, you know, what is better? Do we do we? you know, program and, and coach our clients based off of, you know, the best science available to us, or is there some even bloom between the two? So we'll jump a little bit into that. <clears throat> but, um, you know, before we jump into the show, as always, go ahead and take a screenshot on your phone, post it on your Instagram story, and then tag me in it. I am at Coach Cody Smith. This is always important because <clears throat> ultimately this show is something that I do just as an, you know, for me, uh, as a way to pay it forward to people and to provide, you know, value to you. It's pretty cool to sit here and think that at this point, you know, we've got, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads, you know, throughout the years that we've been doing this and now monthly to see how many people are listening to this show and the, just the thought that, you know, if you're at the gym or you're driving in the car that you're listening to me is just, you know, it baffles me because I can remember from the very first time that I started listening to podcasting or uh, to podcasts, how impactful it was to me and, and the types of things I've been able to change in my life because of them, both as a coach, as a person, as a father, as a husband, you know, all of the above um, have been changed purely based off of podcasting and self-education just like this. So um, any way that I can provide value to you. Um, is amazing, but uh, to help me reach more people and to help to get this, you know, this information out to people, go ahead and take that screenshot, post on your Instagram story, and then tag me in it. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump to the first topic today. So, <clears throat> really, there is uh, only three different types of diets, and you know, for this conversation, we'll mainly touch on, um, you know, if we're talking about fat loss, but. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So think about it. Like, if you want to quickly drop, you know, unwanted. You know body fat and you you go and you do your reading you, you know you go and you do your research there's tons of information i can't think of how many times in the past where i would try to go 
And, you know, prior to getting into strength and conditioning, I would go and I would just do my research. And, you know, I'd be so frustrated when I would go look up because there's so many different things out there. there there's so many different types of diets. And I'm throwing up bunny, bunny ears here because, you know, right now, especially if you go look at, you know, there's keto, there's paleo, there's, uh, there's uh, somatype, there's low, there's slow carb, there's Atkins. I mean, there, it is mind numbing. There's intermittent fasting. There's a mind-numbing amount of stuff out there, and um, there's always a person that goes with it. You know, like I've never felt better. This is this is the greatest thing I've ever done, and everybody's super enthusiastic about whatever diet they do. But really, what people fail to mention, and, and what I failed to realize for years, is that the the common denominator, the thing that makes all of these diets work for people, has nothing to do with you know, the, the specific diet, but more the principle and the mechanism that goes along with it. And it's funny because, the, you know, right now, you know, during COVID-19 season, I uh, just started coaching jiu-jitsu again more frequently inside of our uh, jiu-jitsu gym, Pacific Northwest Jiu-Jitsu. And how I've been approaching all of my teaching has been based around, you know, fundamental concepts and the mechanisms of why things work. And if we understand why things work, it becomes more simple. And I talk about this a lot with program design too. When we understand the principles and the concepts that go alongside why things work, it's much easier to cut through some of the misinformation out there. And um, you know, as far as when it comes to, to fat loss, when it comes to discovering what type of diet you should use, we, we have to understand that how we lose weight, how a person you know, starts to you know, decrease their body fat is that there is some sort of energy deficit, meaning you consume fewer calories than you expend, right? You take in less food um, than you're burning, right? And um, when you do this long enough and you do this correctly enough, you actually get to, you know, you can lose the desired amount of body fat that you want to. And, and, and we have to understand that, you know, you know, various diets work in different ways, but in the end, they all could work if they facilitate that energy deficit that we're talking about. And, you know, there's so many diets out there and, and you know, the, the, the ones that truly promote, promote an energy, energy deficit are the few. And um, really, like I said, there's three broad categories that we can start to group these into. And we have to understand that we have to, you, we have to make sure that your unique goals, your circumstances, your personality type, you know, your diet history, all of your past experiences have to go into the decision of what type of diet that'll work best for you. And, you know, you have to basically understand that when it comes down to it, um, one of them requires a great amount of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a, greater, a great amount of diligence and the other two a little more loosely, but you have to understand that the more diligence that you put into your daily nutritional protocols or the way that you approach your diet, the more diligence and the more, <clears throat> The more controls you put into your diet, the better it's going to work. And this is the exact reason why um, I tend to err on the side of caution to, you know, or I try to, I tend to lean towards one specific type of dieting. So the, the first group that I really want to talk about is um, the type of diet where you monitor and track calorie intake. Some might call this, you know, IIFYM or flexible dieting, whatever it is. Um, I tend to err to, you, you, we, just, we could just call this a macro approach. So... I first discovered counting macros probably, it, gosh, it has to have been almost seven years ago at this point. I stumbled on a book by a lady by the name of Chrissy Mae Cagney, and the book was called um, Flexible Dieting. 
And I stumbled on it because I, I followed this woman named uh, Nicole Caperso. And one day she put up just before and after of a picture where, you know, I would consider she looked pretty lean and pretty shredded. But then she put up another picture right next to it where she was just, just peeled, guys. I mean, she was shredded to the core. And she went on this little blurb about, you know, she had been working and doing this thing called flexible dieting. And I reached out to her and I said, Nicole, like, how are you doing this? How, like, what is the, you know, what is the... The, the secret that you have found that I have not found. At the time, I had tried paleo, I had tried zone, I tried all these different things, I exercised regularly, I tried running, I, I you know, intermittent fasting, I had tried all of the, the things you could ever think about trying, and I just couldn't get the results that I had wanted. And I reached out to her, and she basically pointed me in the direction of Christy May Cagney. I reached out to Christy May, and I said, hey, I am curious in the book that you provided to Nicole, and I want to do the same thing she does. I want to get absolutely shredded. So she she sent me a link to go and purchase her flexible dieting book. Purchased it. I read it. And the next day, like I always do. And it's so funny because I never, ever start something on a Monday. It's like it could be a random Wednesday. And uh, I'll go ahead and I'll start, you know, whatever it is that I'm going to start. And uh, I went ahead and I started to do counting my macros the next day. Started at maintenance, like the book said. And then I worked my way into, you know, a cut or a deficit. And, um, you know, over the course of... Gosh, eight, nine, almost 10 weeks, I managed to get down to 8.9 body fat percentage. I had abs for the first time ever in my training, in my athletic career. And I, I felt really good. And, you know, there's a couple shows ago I went over, you know, this whole process. And, you know, maybe I took a little bit too aggressive of an approach. But what was really cool to me was no longer were certain foods off the menu. No longer did I have to stay away from the evil carbs and the evil sugar that we're taught to, to really stay away from. And that was great for me because it was a cool change up to what I've been doing for years and years and years. And um, I love tracking macros because, you know, it's the oldest and, and really, in my opinion, the most effective method of fat loss. You know, if you're if you're willing to navigate, you know, some of the more challenging features like, you know, your MyFitnessPal, getting a scale, understanding um, how to calculate alcohol, if you're going to have that. Um, this is one that I tend to use with my clients a lot. I mean, it's kind of funny because, it, you know, a lot of people will, will, will demonize tracking macros. But if you really think about it, for me, I'm a business owner, right? And if I was a business owner and I never tracked my income or my expenses, um, sure, maybe I could be accessible or I could be successful, possibly, um, if I'm lucky. Um, but if I really wanted to, to make my business impactful and I really wanted to grow it, uh, I would need to know exactly how much is coming in and exactly how much is coming out. And I'm not leaving things to chance, right? So for me, macro counting is, is, a, is a way of life. It's something that I've grown to appreciate how simple it is just to, to manipulate a few numbers and to stick to you know a consistent way of eating and to just see things change. So um, I guess you could say that, you know, there's a couple pros to, to, to tracking, you know, your, your macros and to doing it. I mean, at the end of the day, tracking calories offers the really the most reliable method. And um, it's, it's a pretty simple way to ensure that you are in a calorie deficit. You can control your inputs. You can, you know, you can try to take into account how much activity you have every day. It, it really gives you something that is measurable and something that is something you can execute on very simply. And, you know, at the end of the day, you also are not you know, there's no foods that are off limits. There's no bad foods. There's no, I mean, at the end, like we ultimately, you don't want to think of foods as good and bad anyways, but um, there's no good or, you know, bad way to, to view any sort of foods because at the end of the day, it's a number. It's something, you know, and, and I'm not going to go into, you know, why calories are calories in this conversation, 
but <clears throat> we do know that uh, calories t calorie balance or how many calories you take in or don't take in are the biggest indicator in whether a person actually gets fat loss or not. So just something to pay attention to. And then when you consistently track your calories, you actually start to become more educated. You always say like awareness precedes change. You start to be a more, you start to be more aware of the types of things that you are taking in every day. And um, this actually contributes to, you know, some of these other ones here that I'm gonna talk about as far as types of diets are concerned. This also contributes to that later in that you do not have to track food forever. I mean, currently right now, ever since I got back from vacation, I've been taking uh, another approach to where I just kind of go off of how I feel, but I know how much I'm eating so well from tracking and measuring for so long that I could, I bet that if I, you know, put in the food that I've eaten so far today, I bet it's pretty close to the types of numbers that I would have myself on anyways, because I'm able to, to be more intuitive with it. Now, I guess there are a few negatives that we can go into and, um, and I'm pretty much going to do this for every one of the diets I'm talking about today. But, uh, as far as negatives are concerned, there's a little bit of a learning curve. Um, you have to learn how to use a food scale. You have to learn how to read food labels. And um, you're going to have to start logging every single thing, every single day. I would encourage you to use a, you know, something electronic. Um, like MyFitnessPal is one of my favorite things to use. Some people use MyMacrosPlus. You could write it down in a food journal, but it is uh, much more, I guess you could say, simple and uh, effective, in my opinion, to do it digitally because you can just kind of do it on the go wherever you are. And uh, at this point, a lot of foods and a lot of restaurants are inside of these databases and it's something easier to do. I will tell you that if you are tracking your, and measuring your food, it's very hard to eat out. It's very hard to go out to restaurants. It's very hard to eat off the menu because a lot of times you don't actually know how that person cooked it or how, <clears throat> excuse me, how the food was prepared. So I, I would say that that is probably a negative too. And, um, you know, it can... I guess you could say it does it does cause some sort of crazy, right? Because you start to really, you start to really <clears throat> become obsessed with the numbers, and then it be kind of it could become it could. I'm not going to say it does in all cases, but it could become something negative, to where you can decrease the you know the the the, the uh, gosh what's the word I'm looking for? Words are escaping me today, guys. I apologize. It could cause you to eat less micronutrient-dense foods because you can technically fit it within your numbers. I mean, I used to be so bad to where I would leave carbs every day. I remember <clears throat> when I started this whole process initially with, with counting macros before I ever tried it on my first client, I would leave a certain amount of uh, carbs and fats every day so that I could go and I could have a Reese cup during Halloween, the Halloween period of time, and, and then well into Thanksgiving that year. And it, it just allowed me to kind of um, to, to, you know, if it fits your macros, it a little bit too much. Um, so I guess that could probably be a negative too, but I think that something you want to remember is that if you are intimidated by tracking or for whatever reason, you don't think it'll work for you. Um, there are some non-tracking approaches, but I will tell you that it, it does it some, <clears throat> it does in some way, shape or form become sort of guesswork if you're not for sure knowing how much that you are putting into your body. All right, so second type of diet. I guess you could say this is the inflexible, um, the in, inflexible dieting. Um, you know, and there's, there's a ton of, you know, this is where you start to adhere to a certain type of diet or a certain protocol. I mean, there's like so many philosophies out there um, that could possibly lead you into a calorie deficit. But at the end of the day, it's like it, it's tricking you into eating less 
than you ordinarily would. And this does not apply to those of you out there that under eat constantly or that, you know, you coaches that are listening to me right now. I wouldn't put any client on, you know, something that is a specific type of diet unless they have some sort of hormone protocol that would benefit from this. But it, it's much harder because a lot of our clients and, and a lot of people in general just tend to undereat. So when you go into a particular diet, the, the calorie deficit, just a basic calorie deficit is not going to work. Because number one, you don't know how much they're eating in the first place. And, you know, if they've been under eating for a period of time and then they eat less, their body's just going to resist and, and, you know, the body self-defense system is going to kind of fight this. But uh, really, the, when we talk about inflexible dieting, these are, you know, gosh, there's some popular ones. Like, uh, like I said kind of before, there's intermittent fasting, there's uh, vegan, vegetarian, keto, carnivore. I mean, there's a, a myriad of them out there. And all of them have like really strict rules. I mean, intermittent fasting is, is just, I, I'd say that's one of the more popular ones right now. And it's where you narrow your feeding window down to, to eight hours. A lot of people do like eight and 16, eight on, 16 off. And, um, and you know, it's something that, you know, could work pretty, you know, pretty well. But um, the reason that people tend to say that intermittent, fist, intermittent fasting helped them to lose body weight or to lose, to, to burn body fat is because you're eating fewer calories. And for a lot of people, they're just skipping breakfast or they're skipping dinner. I mean, <clears throat> when you eliminate a meal, you're eliminating calories from your diet. You know, and vegans uh, tend to, to lose body fat and to, to feel better because for a lot of people, they're, for, in most cases, they're eating more vegetables than they ever have. And when you're eating more nutrient-dense foods and you're consuming more fiber, you're, you're not as hungry. So you could consume less calories that way as well. And the same thing falls with keto. Like keto requires you to consume no carbohydrates. I think the rule is like 25 grams of carbohydrates. When food options are limited, many people find themselves eating less since uh, really, I mean, your, your, food choice, your food choices become much more boring. So I guess you could say there, there could be some positive benefits to this. I mean, having strict dieting rules um, makes things more clear cut and it helps people to remain confident and what they were doing is the, the best possible thing. And then another positive is you don't have to track and monitor anything. You kind of rely on intuition, which, like I said before, could work if you are familiar with the types of food you're consuming, but it could be detrimental to you if you have no awareness or no idea um, what you're eating or what you have eaten in the past. Uh, so some negatives, I guess we could say, for inflexible dieting is that, you know, most of these are rule-based and um, they, they, they tend to be more, uh, more heavy-handed, in my opinion, than necessary. You know, like perfectly healthy and, and beneficial foods and, and some of these diets are off limits. You know, as an example, with keto, you want to eat a lot of protein or moderate protein, low carb, high fat. But this completely eliminates your ability to consume a fair amount of vegetables and fruits because it's going to take you over your carbs. And um, the next thing is like, in most cases, these types of diets can't be maintained for long periods of time. You know, you cave to cravings or you start to develop nutritional uh, de deficiencies. And, you know, this can derail your, I guess, your level of health. And then many of these approaches are, are difficult to comply with when eating out or social situations. I mean, like we, we all have that friend uh, or that person that we can think of that you go to a restaurant and they can't eat X, Y, Z, or they can't go to, you know, we used to have a friend that was on keto and we couldn't get this person to join us at the, the sushi restaurant because naturally when you're on keto and you go to sushi, hence, you know, all the rice, it really doesn't work. So um, this became a problem and, it, and it's, you know, I guess a negative 
thing that goes along with when you adhere to a very specific diet. Uh, so the third type of dieting that I wanted to kind of touch on here to, to finish up this particular topic is uh, intuitive eating or what you could say instinctive calorie reduction. So here's the deal. When you're an intuitive eater, this is the third and least likely um, way to predictably lose. Now listen to how I worded that, predictably. Like, again, this is a crapshoot. It's, it's, you know, relying on luck and, and magic um, to, achieve, to achieve fat loss when you do this. And um, this is sometimes called, you know, like people label, you know, this, you know, instinctive calorie reduction as intuitive eating. So when you intuitive eat, you don't strictly track your calories and you, you don't eat to a particular set of rules. You just rely on your gut and um, how you feel every day and l- kind of try to listen to your body and to, to your hunger a little bit more. Now, this could work, you know, because you strive to make better food choices. You, your environment changes. You, um, your, your, your challenges to eating are, effective, are affected in a more productive manner. And, you know, in most cases, you could eat less than you're used to. However, my, my, I have some biases to this because I'm always skeptical when someone says they plan to diet or exercise uh, based off their intuition or instinct. I mean, let's be honest, like most people's intuition and instincts involve eating way too much food that tastes way too good um, for, you know, for the goals. I mean, like think about it, like if intuitive eating and instinctive eating worked, we wouldn't have the type of you know, body composition issues or health issues that we have now if people's, you know, quote unquote, intuition or instinct worked well. And, um, you know, if, if you are used to tracking foods and, and, you know, uh, weighing and measuring your stuff, um, you could make an honest estimate of eating the amount of food. But I I will tell you that there, there, you know, this (laughs) is the, the least likely situation you know, for most people. So uh, I guess some positives here. The When you intuitive eat, you don't have to really worry about calories or tracking. There's no forbidden foods. You can easily go to restaurants and you know be more social. And you could possibly optimize your eating behaviors and learn to to navigate um, you know being hunger or, or being hungry. But some negatives are is like most people struggle with being overweight and have poor discipline. I mean, if, if you're, if, a lot of people hear intuitive eating and they're like, oh, I intuitive eat because it just works better for me. And in my opinion, like it, that, that means that it's the easy route and you lack discipline and um, you can't control the calories that you take in. And, but you know, uh, uh, in most cases, you're gonna need a more structured approach. Whereas in this case, you won't have a very structured approach. This is the least reliable of all the three types of diets. It may work, you know, it could work for you. It, it works in some, but in, in most cases it doesn't. And, uh, we, you know, when it comes to how we coach inside of our coaching program here at our gym, Virtuous Fitness, or for our, you know, our online clients that we have, if you guys are looking for some nutrition coaches, uh, I've got a great team that would love to work with you guys. Just uh, at the end of the show, I've got my email in the show notes. Feel free to reach out. We also have inside of, um, our social media links, you can actually sign up for coaching there as well. But the thing to remember is that 
How we approach dieting is making sure that we match the dieter or the person looking to make change. We, we look to match that person with the type of approach that works best for them. If, you know, if we have a client that comes to us and, you know, for me, like if I, you know, if I went and I seeked out a different nutrition coach or something like that, I would likely be able to go intuitive because I've also had seven years of experience with tracking calories and, and you know, tracking my macros. But if I wanted to make a specific body composition change, I wanted to create some fat loss or I wanted to gain some muscle, it's just going to make sense for that coach to put me on uh, some sort of macro or tracking based diet because it's something that's measurable, it's something that's easy to do. Nonetheless, whatever diet you choose, like seek out support, seek out accountability, try to find you know an environment of people that are doing similar things to you. Don't put yourself in you know a, a bucket of people that are or, or a group of people that are going to you know be to your detriment and not really help out. Um, be okay with your imperfections. You're not going to nail this every single time. I can't tell you how many clients that get so frustrated because they don't do everything they need to do. And really, uh, it's not it's not all or nothing. It's always something. Like remember that quote, and um, you know, stick within your means. Stick within a level of intensity towards your approach or weight loss that is something you can do for um, you know long periods of time. So really, that's the only three types of diets that you know I classify how we coach into, and. Um, uh, I'm just curious, you know, which one, as you were listening to that, which ones of those really work the best for you or you think would work the best for you. So the next thing I wanted to touch on is nutritional periodization. So nutritional periodization is the same way that, you know, we talk about like programming periodization or, you know, a program designed approach where you periodize and you have certain periods where you work on one thing versus the other. Nutrition can be approached the same way. And like, really, it doesn't have to be complicated, guys. Um, it's just a... It's a, a, a I guess you could say it's a method or approach to planning your diet and it needs to be tailored like i said kind of in the first things that we talked about it needs to be tailored towards what is going to work the best for you so nutritional periodization is a way of viewing your dieting approach throughout the weeks and months and years and as an example i have a client that i've been working with for two years and we've gone through two cycles or two different periodized approach and we've gone through each one of these. And, and it's funny because we actually just did an interview for our gym today. You know, at our gym, we do this thing called Coffee with Coach. <clears throat> and in our Coffee with Coach today, we discussed, you know, him and I have been working together for almost two years now. We've gone through a few cycles. We've gone through a fat loss phase. We've gone through a muscle gain phase. We've gone through performance. We've gone through maintenance. We've gone through all these different phases. And, um, he, you know, he's completed this cycle of nutrition and periodization. And this guy has gone, I'd say he's probably lost right around 25 pounds he's put on easily 10 to 15 pounds of muscle he can you know he went from not being able to do strict pull-ups to being able to do muscle ups uh the guy's a stud i mean he's got put hundreds of pounds in all of his lifts and this has all come through um, you know a training program that we've written up for him and then matching his nutrition to his individual needs and then going through periods of time where we work on specific things so looking at nutritional periodization really um, there, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of phases that I guess we could talk about. So the, the first part of this is the preparation for your diet that is to come. So if you come to me or, you know, coaches out there, if you have a client that comes to you, the first thing you have to, number one, figure out is how much are they currently eating. In nine out of ten cases, they're going to be under eating. If you start tracking your calories today and I were to look at, you know, do a calculation to find what your maintenance numbers are, I, I, within you know a high level of certainty, I'm pretty sure you're not eating enough. So when we talk about preparation for the diet, number one, we need to build out the big rocks, your habits. 
you know, sitting down and chewing your food, eating breakfast in the morning, having two to three servings of vegetables, having two to three servings of fruit, and repeating this every single day, looking at your sleep hygiene, making sure you're getting enough sleep every day, you're getting enough sunlight, you're getting enough activity every single day. These are things that we do that are all in preparation of what is the later come, whether it's fat loss or muscle gain or whatever it may be. So preparation for the diet is the first piece of your periodization to your nutritional approach. The next one is gonna be progression through your diet. So this could be, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do. In most cases, and most people probably listening to this, there's going to be some sort of fat loss phase. There's going to be some sort of phase where <clears throat> a person is spending time trying to lose body fat or, you know, let's say by off chance you are trying to put on muscle. There's going to be a progression or an approach to that. This could be six weeks based off of, you know, how, I guess you could say, how large your goal is or how much of your goal, you know, um, what type of journey you're going to need for your goal. If you're a person trying to lose 50, 60, 70, 80 to 100 pounds, you're probably going to need a longer fat loss phase where you come in and out of different phases of this. But if you're a person who needs to get off quick 10 pounds before you know you go on some vacation during the summer, your approach could be anywhere between like 6 to 12 weeks where you're in your diet or some sort of calorie deficit. So this is the second period of your diet. Now, what is super important, and, and this is where most diets fail people and where a lot of coaches fail people, is that after you take your client through their specific phase, right? If I use my client as an example, he has gone through the preparation of diet. We started with, hey man, like just eat your breakfast every day. He started eating his breakfast. Hey man, I want you to have three servings of vegetables every day, cool. Hey man, I want you to eat half of your body, I want you to drink half of your body weight in ounces every day, okay, cool. Hey man, we're gonna start tracking macros. We worked him through maintenance, we took him through a cut. He got absolutely shredded, lost almost 20 pounds. Then we went through a phase where we actually transitioned him away from the diet. You could call this period the diet after the diet. This means he had achieved his results, which can, in, in nine, you know, for him, we put him, took him through a fat loss phase. He had achieved his result. He had gone through a fat loss phase. What happens when you go into a severe calorie deficit is your metabolism starts to adapt to what you have been doing for a period of time. Your metabolism down regulates or your levels get lower to get used to those less calories. This is your body's natural way of, you know, combating famine or, um, you know, through times of surplus when your body stores fat. Like that's how your metabolism works. Your metabolism is like your self-defense system. When you go through a maintenance phase and you get your calories up, your metabolism gets used to that amount of calories. Then when you decrease your calories, that's when your body starts using body fat stores to burn energy. It thinks that you're starving or it thinks that you are in a period of famine and it needs to sustain your life. Well, it burns your body fat that way. That's what our bodies are set up. That's the mechanism, right? But what can happen is that when you go through a long dieting phase, your metabolism starts to downregulate to get used to the lower, the lower calorie deficit that you are at. Now what happens for a lot of people after they go through a long calorie deficit, and maybe this might have happened to you, is they go back to eating whatever they wanted to eat, they go back to eating the way they were, and their metabolism is used to a lower calorie amount, and then not only do they start changing the types of foods they eat, but they start over consuming, and in most cases, the exercise also decreases. So you can see how this can you know, essentially smash the results. Let's say you go, you know, my client had gone and lost 20 pounds, and they went back to eating pizza and tacos and all these things that he loved before. And he gained all of that weight back in a short amount of time because his body was used to less calories and he just stored everything that he brought in. Okay. 
So this is where we start to work our calories up out of the deficit. I like to do anywhere between like 150 to 200 calories every, every week for a period of weeks until we get them you know, through this full transition or this full reverse diet period out. And that's how we transition. We do the diet after the diet. This, just because you got the result doesn't mean that, the, that your result is set in stone or that your diet is over. And then the last piece of your nutritional periodization is to try to sustain your result as much as and as realistically as possible. So this can mean, you know, making sure that you're sticking to um, whatever maintenance numbers that your coach lays out for you or whatever it may be. But you want to make sure that even though you've gone through preparation for the diet, you've progressed through your diet, you transitioned out of your diet. And it doesn't mean that now you can go and do whatever you want. You have to, as much as possible, try to sustain what you can. You can relax some of the, you know, the the rigidness of your approach, but you still have to stick closely to some of the methods and some of the principles that you did before just so you can sustain your result. <clears throat> and really, we've learned so much about, you know, this dieting process over the years. I mean, uh, we've learned a ton about, you know, how your metabolism adapts. We learned a lot about when to do refeeds and how to help clients stick to it. I mean, how to, you know, how important, you know, stress is in relation to your nutrition. But ultimately, all these things, this, you know, nutritional periodization conversation all plays into all these different things. All right. Last topic that I want to talk, talk about here is, you know, science versus anecdote. So I, I heard this quote from... Uh, my coach, who heard it from another uh, another coach by the name of um, Dr. Eric Helms, and, and my coach is named Cody McBroom, um, he said, you know, they essentially said, we're not working with averages, we're working with individuals. And it reminded me of another quote that I heard that says, like, people aren't studies. And, and, and really, like, sure, science matters, research matters, all these new studies, all these things, they matter. And, and it's important to create a, a, a great approach for your client. But people aren't studies. And, and I will tell you that I've read some things in research papers from time to time that is, you know, you know, this is the perfect approach for, you know, a person to X, Y, Z. And then I do that approach. But realistically, sometimes the outcomes that we see in research studies and some of the things that you read, you know, on Google or PubMed or wherever it is you go to get your information from. A lot of times when you're reading these research reviews, there's a lot more controlled variables than what you may be seeing in your life. Like, sure, this particular dieting protocol may work really, really well for you if you are sleeping eight hours a day and, you know, you're getting X amount of steps every day and you've got zero stress and you're, and you're in a laboratory and you're doing these different components to make the study outcome look a certain way, right? But we're not studies, right? we don't have all the controls in life that these studies do. So sometimes, you know, for us as coaches and for you as people out there, you have to understand that you're not a research review. You're not a research study. You're not a, you know, a test or a hypothesis. You're not any of these things. You're a human being and your variables are going to be different than any of these studies. Sure, use it as guidance. Use the research to make the best possible scientific evidence approach. I mean, this is how we approach every single thing that we do inside of our gyms. And, and you know, you know, to my detriment, I can remember when, I really got into reading research and reading more about the science side of training and nutrition. Not only did it challenge every single thing that I thought about training and programming and nutrition and, and the psychology of coaching, it challenged everything. But where I went wrong is I started to lean too heavily on the science and not pay attention to my people and really what are they going to stick to. So, you know, we have to understand that to be the best coach or to get the best results 
for our clients or for ourselves or whatever it may be, we have to have an even blend of following the research, following the evidence, and listening to what is real world or what is anecdotal in life or what we have seen anecdotally with other people or people similar to us or similar clients or for me, what I've seen with clients across the board. There's some things that some ways that I coach that are 100% counterintuitive to every single, you know, to, to many, I'm not gonna say every single, but to many research papers. But I know that these, you know, XYZ thing works because I've seen it work with clients um, in real life by utilizing some of these methods and utilizing some of these things. So again, science matters, research is required, um, the, all the new studies matter, but we can't we can't let the desire to follow the science and to, to, to create a, you know, a very specific approach, we can't let that trump um, experience and what is you know, anecdotally happening around us. Um, and, and really, like uh, you've got some coaches that are you know, say they're evidence-based or science-based, but really, by definition, that's what I believe evidence-based to be. Evidence-based is, you know, using the science and using the research but paying attention to people. And, you know, really, like for a lot of studies, the, the studies are from a pool of people. And, you know, they're using an average to, to you know, to say, like, you know, X, Y, Z causes blank. Um, this is all based off of average. And, you know, really, we're all unique in our own, their, we're own, our own way. And, like, don't think for a second that I'm saying the science doesn't matter. Like, you're, the science matters for sure. And if you've talked to me in any, you know, capacity and, you know, you've been following me for a long period of time, or if you're listening to the podcast, you know that I'm into science, but I'm not, I'm also not going to disregard experience or the differences that I see with people. And, uh, you know, great coaching is kind of a blend of science and experience. And it's, it's how I coach. It's how I lead my teams. It's, it's really everything that I do as a coach and as a leader and as a person is that I kind of blend these elements together and rely heavily on my experience and rely heavily on the things that I search out and that I research. So um, that's kind of my take on, you know, science versus the anecdotes, the, you know, the experiential or the anecdotes that I've seen with clients and with people and the best approach with that. Uh, so that's all I got for you guys today. I hope that you got something from the show. I, ho- I hope that it brought you some value and you got some information. Um, like I said before, as always, this the, the purpose of this show is to get more quality information to people, to allow people to be able to listen to things that I talk about, and to be able to to cut through the you know the BS that's out there and all the garbage that can be misleading. I mean, the beginning of this show, um, you know, I, I present the question of like, what do you do with all the information out there? How do you find the best possible information? Well, my goal with this show is to give you the most nonsense you know, practical approach to most things, whether, you know, and sometimes I get kind of stuck on like, what's my message? What do I say to people? And really at the core of who I am, I'm a coach. I am the type of person that wants to help a person grow. And we know now, and I've learned this so much through, you know, my 10 years of coaching is that coaching isn't just the reps and the, and the sets and the volumes and the, and, and the, all the stuff. It's not the protein and the carbs and the fats and the macros. It's not the hydration and the mobility. Coaching is a holistic approach to everything we are as people. So that is your mindset. That is your relationship. That is your career. That is, you know, your nutrition and your fitness, of course. All these things work together 
they're not separate and they're not exclusive or they're not um, exclusive. They are inclusive. So hope you guys, as always, got something from this show. Take that screenshot on your phone, post it on your story, and then tag me in it. I would love to see who's listening to the show. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate every minute that you spent with me. If you're new to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe button and to give us a rating and review. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram where I post daily motivational content and free training and nutritional information. Lastly, if you've been listening to this for a while and you're thinking about working with me and my team, go ahead and email me at cody at virtuousfit.com and I'll see you on the next episode.